You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, we got through another, uh, just a two-part series, but we did it. I'm all responsible and stuff. That's twice now we've, we've been able to accomplish things. But it's time for a palate cleanser. Might be a little bit of a news dump kind of thing, but... Um, I want to start off with something that's just kind of getting us up and running again, you know? One of the guys that I have come to really not super like is back at it again. So it's, it's, it's positive and it's negative. So it's a little bit of, but we get, we get the best of both worlds. We get somebody finally acknowledging the Green Bay Packers and being excited about the Green Bay Packers. And we get Rich Eisen being a dope about it. And, uh... You know, asking irrelevant questions and saying irrelevant things. And uh, this just feels like, you know, just just getting back into the groove of the Packernet podcast. So why don't we just kick this thing off? This is ESPN's Damian Woody. Jordan Love and the Packers will be good this season on the Rich Eisen Show. Give me the NFC team you like. We're so focused on the AFC. The NFC team you like going into 2023 and training camp starting next week is... I'm rich. Mm-hmm. I'm more and more of a believer in the Green Bay Packers. Okay. Mm. Okay. okay. I am. Let's dig in. What do you got? I, I, I listen. I don't subscribe to. You know, everyone has doom and gloom on the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, you know, going going from Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love. I get it. But here's what I also know: that is a very talented roster. Very talented roster. Mm-hmm. I think that defense is going to be very good. And they got a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. They got a lead offensive line. They got two really good running backs. They got wide receivers last year that showed you glimpses. If Aaron Rodgers had been in, you know, been in the offseason program, maybe those guys would have been clicking a lot earlier in the season. But they have weapons on the outside. They added to it in the in, in the draft. I think the Green Bay Packers are going to come out and surprise this year. I do. I think they're going to vie for the NFC North. Because they have that type of talent, and I'm a believer in their coaching staff. And then- all right, all right. So all of that is basically what most Packer fans have been trying to say for a long time, right? There are some unknowns. 
unknowns aren't bad. It's just unknown. We don't know if it's bad. If it was bad, it wouldn't be unknown. It would be known to be bad, right? But aside from that, the things we do know are positive. The offensive line, the running backs, the defense as a whole, and even these weapons, the wide receiver tight end group that everybody wants to disparage, honestly, it's somewhat positive. There's really no reason to feel that it's a terrible group. You can say that we don't really know, aside from some positive glimpses that we've seen, but if there's no progress and we don't get anything from Reed or Musgrave or Kraft, then all we have is a really solid Christian Watson and one of the better running back groups in football, which is still positive, but, you know, not the best, I guess. But, uh, again, it's, it's just shocking because you would think somebody would hear this and go, oh, man, either that's a really good point or I disagree and here's why. Here's Rich Eisen. And how far do they go? Because uh, obviously that's Jordan Love. Are you just describing to the fact that, you know, um, they're, they're going to do it again at the quarterback spot with somebody who sat there for three years waiting? <laughs> All right. So this is what I'm talking about, man. This is what I'm talking about. Couple problems. Number one, he's so dug in on his position, he doesn't even acknowledge it. He didn't even hear anything. He heard nothing that he just said. Not a single thing. He doesn't argue any of those points that he made. He doesn't, he's not interested in it because he essentially probably acknowledges it, but he doesn't care because all he knows is Rodgers left, so now you suck. Because every team that doesn't have Aaron Rodgers is garbage, except every other team in history that's been good at football, with the exception of the handful of teams that had Rodgers at quarterback. The other issue is this false dilemma garbage. So, so I guess you just, uh, uh, what, you ascribe to the idea that they just did it again, they're going to get three Hall of Famers in a row, that's what, you, that's what you think? Why does it have to be that? Why? Do you know how many times Rich Eisen will sit behind that freaking desk and pump up a team that doesn't have Aaron Rodgers on it? There is one quarterback in the NFL right now that could be considered on Aaron Rodgers' tier, and that's Pat Mahomes. Josh Allen right now, is not as good of a quarterback as, as peak Aaron Rodgers was. He's not. He's not on the same level. Maybe Joe Burrow? I don't know. So what, the, the, the Miami Dolphins are just screwed. Just give up on them. There's nothing there. That great offense they had, they're done, they're doomed, they suck. Because they don't have Rodgers, they're stuck with freaking Tua. The 49ers, I don't know why we ever cared about the 49ers. Why do we constantly pump them up? Why do we constantly talk about them being a good football team? They don't, they don't even have competent quarterbacks, much less Aaron freaking Rodgers. Why is Rich Eisen saying this? It makes no sense. It's an irrelevant question. He doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers. They don't need three Hall of Famers in a row. You think the Eagles have Aaron Rodgers? It's not even close. Not even close to having Aaron Rodgers on their team. The Ravens with Lamar? Nowhere near as good. So why, why do the Ravens and Lamar specifically get so much love all the time? I don't understand. I don't, I, don't, I don't get it. What about the Jacksonville Jaguars? People like them. They don't have Aaron Rodgers on their team. The Rams never had Aaron Rodgers on their team. They won a Super Bowl with Matt frickin' Stafford, who was broke down and mediocre. The Chicago Bears. who Nobody can shut up about that team. They don't have Aaron Rodgers. 
The Detroit Lions, everybody's favorite NFC North team, everybody's favorite NFL team. They got Jared Goff. They don't have Aaron Rodgers. Why is everybody talking up the Detroit Lions? I don't understand. I don't get it. This is It's such a stupid question that does not need to be asked. Why don't we do this every time somebody drafts a quarterback? Like... The, the Indianapolis Colts just drafted a quarterback. Why don't we give them this treatment? You know, you, you ask them about it, or or the, the Panthers, and the Panthers are all like, oh, we're excited, like he's looking good. It's, oh, really? Like, so so you, you believe that this is like Aaron Rodgers now. That's what you believe. You think you're going to get an Aaron Rodgers-type quarterback. Because, I mean, honestly, how far do you think you can go? You don't have Aaron Rodgers. Where are you even going to go? Why is this constantly being asked? Why are the Packers the only team that either has Aaron Rodgers or is a terrible football team? It makes no sense. <laughs> An all-famer. Are, are you really no, thinking no, that? Or no, are you really? The chances of that where you just going to, you know, going from back to back to back as far as Hall of Fame quarterbacks, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm not there. But I do think Jordan Love has a... All right, I, I got to stop him there. I know he's on the right side of things. But good Lord... Are we still doing this? I'm so absolutely sick of this, I decided to go to Twitter and make a poll about it. Because I'm just stunned at the amount of people that don't understand this. Basic freaking mathematics. Here was the question I posted on Twitter. Statistically speaking, are Jordan Love's chances of becoming a Hall of Fame quarterback diminished considering Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers were, slash are, Hall of Fame caliber players? The answer is no. This is not a subjective question. And what's funny is the amount of answers in here that they know the right answer is no, but they still don't want to let go of yes. They're essentially answering in a way that sounds like what they're saying, and excuse me if I'm misinterpreting it, but it sounds like they're trying to hang on to this, but it's still really unlikely. Like, I mean, technically no, but it's really un. The answer is just no. That's it. There's no other answer. To give you an example, and again, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, it's just I, I, there's a couple answers that like they, they need to qualify it by, look, it is really unlikely, but technically, here's one of the responses. Three Hall of Fame quarterbacks in a row is extraordinarily unlikely. Any quarterback being drafted a Hall of Famer uh, is extremely unlikely, but the chances of it happening should be treated as an independent event of the other two from a probability sense. It just feels like we're, I mean, I guess probably, you know, from a statistical standpoint, fine. But it is really, yes, it is. And, and, and that, by the way, is exactly the reason why I'm skeptical that Jordan Love will ever be that. But it has nothing to do with Rodgers and, and Favre. Nothing. That is brought up so many times. And it doesn't need to be brought up once. It doesn't. It does not need to be brought up. It's irrelevant. Who the heck? There was another response in here. I don't want to just pick on the one. I know there was another one that they deleted. <laughs> it was an even better example, too. Anyways, it has zero bear. Oh, I know what it was. It was a comment. It was, statistically, it's very unlikely to get three Hall of Fame level quarterbacks in a row. But the fact that Rodgers and Favre uh, have been are not mutually exclusive to Love's potential. First of all, the first part does not need to be brought up. It is irrelevant. And you, you said that sort of in the second part. Yes, it's hard, but we've already accomplished two. 
Jordan Love and his success has nothing to do with the prior two quarterbacks. It doesn't need to be brought up at all, ever. It's irrelevant, outside of it being a really interesting side note about if he actually is, how amazing that would be. Statistically speaking, just like when Aaron Rodgers was. Statistically speaking, nearly impossible it happened. It's an interesting side note. But even beyond that, and I don't know if this is sort of a... Maybe the wording is throwing me off a little bit, but he says, the fact that Rodgers and Favre have been are not mutually exclusive to Love's potential. It's not just not mutually exclusive. It's irrelevant. It doesn't, it, it, it's not as though, it, it, it's not to say that it doesn't 100% impact it. It's to say it 0% impacts it. No bearing. No impact. It means nothing. It is irrelevant. Why? On the Rich Eisen Show is an ESPN analyst laughing and saying, no, 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 I would never say that. The odds are so astronomically impossible. No, they are not. No, they're not. They're really high, or I guess we'll say unlikely odds, but only as unlikely as every other quarterback. Now, you can get into more details, but well, technically, he was a later first-round pick, and we have some data that maybe kind of put... But I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm strictly talking about we need to remove the concept that prior data that's already been accounted for needs to be added into the equation. That Jordan Love's success is lessened because of Favre and Rodgers. And so, interestingly, and I can't tell if I'm surprised how high or how low the numbers are, um, currently, and there's still a lot of time left, maybe we'll revisit it tomorrow, 82% say that there is no statistical correlation whatsoever, 18% say that there is. Now, that is way too high. But also, I'm actually kind of impressed, because you could ask anything. I just saw something earlier today, somebody posted... Um, it was, it was highlighting how dumb people are, but they were making, the original post was making fun of somebody for saying three squared equals six. And all the comments under it are, well, it literally is, you idiot. No, it isn't. It's nine. Or how many times have you seen that post about, you know, the order of operations thing? They'll post some math problem that's got addition subtraction, multiplication, division, and parentheses, maybe an exponent in there somewhere. And even I get freaking thrown off. Like, I know what it is, but I got to think about it because I haven't done that in a while. But everybody's going to fight about that for, for 50 hours. And, and, and the point is, there's going to be probably at least 20 to 50% of the people who just generally, genuinely do not understand order of operations. You know, they'll just go left to right or whatever. But I guess the disappointing part about it is that it started at 10% and it has climbed up to 20%. So we will see how high this thing climbs. I'll keep an eye on it as we go here. But it's just it's just ridiculous. And, and here's the other part. 80% of random people on Twitter, granted some of them are probably people that have heard me rant this 700 times and have been given the answer. Um, but how do 80% of just random people on Twitter understand basic mathematics but every time you turn on espn or anything else you got people who actually believe that it's more unlikely that the packers drafted a third hall of famer than for any other team that hasn't drafted a hall of famer how does that happen you know he's in a situation where he can be successful coming right out of the gates because he's surrounded by talent 
He's been there three years. He knows the system. He knows the inside and out. He knows the guys on the team. He he knows the personnel. He's comfortable with the personnel. So I think he has a chance to hit the ground running. They have talent on both sides of the ball. So that's the team I'm looking at, Rich. I'm looking at the Green Bay Packers to do well this year. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, again, aside from the, the minor faux pas, um, I that's a perfectly reasonable argument. You don't have, I mean, it's not definitive. It's not, well, I know they're going to be good because, but none of that is really super debatable. All of these things are positive. Whether they're going to come to fruition, I don't know. But the fact that it's a radical position that Damian Woody is taking and that Rich Eisen is sitting there grimacing as though, you know, he's having cramps. Get him a cranberry juice. The Departed? No? Okay. It shouldn't be this big of a controversy to simply lay out what it is. Good offensive line. Very promising weapons. Great running back group. First-round draft pick that's been sitting for three years in the same system, a very quarterback-friendly system, very prevalent and, and, and good system in the NFL, sitting behind Aaron Rodgers, loaded with talent on defense. To, to sit there and say, I think that could be a good team and could surprise somebody and could potentially even win the NFC North, which is loaded with terrible football teams, for that to be a controversy is insane to me. I'm with you with the that I think the receivers that showed some flashes last year will, I think, be well served to have their quarterback be someone from their age peer group. I do think there is there is some plus to that, right? I mean, you first of all, and, and Damien's going to come back with more you know positives, and again, I, I want to play that because it's nice to hear somebody actually just acknowledge obvious truth. But I I just I'm I'm permanently annoyed with rich eisen <laughs> everything he says annoys me because again damien just laid out a ton of information and all of it was positive positive. and rich eisen he's done it twice now he did it once in the beginning right he lays out all this stuff and then rich eisen says oh so you think he's going to be aaron Rodgers?" and he's like no i think this and he lays out a bunch more information and Rich says, yeah, I agree with you. It's probably going to help young guys have a young quarterback. Who, who, who said that? Who said that? And, and the fact that there's all these actual positive things. And Rich is sitting there going, eh, I don't know. But I, I guess there's like the one thing I could see, which is that Jordan is young and the receivers are young. And that's probably going to help a little bit, I guess. That's like the one thing that I can sort of comprehend and maybe see would help the Packers. Like, forget the fact that we know they have a great offensive line. Forget the running backs. Forget the defense. Forget all that stuff. Forget Matt LaFleur and the offensive scheme and all that. Eh, I don't know about all that. Forget the promising aspects of Jordan Love being quarterback. Eh. But I, I will agree with you on this one point that you didn't actually say when you didn't say that, um, you know, the, the, the quarterbacks will benefit because Jordan Love is young. Uh, all right. Anyways, you've been in locker rooms left, right, up and down. Don't you think that there's going to be some sort of added benefit because of that? Right. Absolutely. And I always and I also subscribe to guys making big jumps from year one to year two. OK. And so we see the, you know, the struggles that, you know, Christian. Again, just 
real quick. Guys making jumps from year one to year, everyone acknowledges that that's a thing, right? Year one to year two, year two to year three. After that, it's kind of up in the air. If you haven't been good in that time, you still might be good, but it's kind of like, eh, the odds are kind of low, right? Um, you know, we, we, we don't really expect jumps anymore. It's just kind of, it is what it is. Best of luck to you out there in the world. But <laughs> it's a very obvious thing that we have a lot of guys taking year two and year three jumps, very critical pieces to this uh, team. And I, I know this, I'm probably reading too much into his grunts and groans, but even that, he has like this skeptical, like, mm, okay, I guess. I, I would kind of like to stay focused on the young thing here, but <laughs> so, he's weird. I don't know. Watson and Romeo Dobbs, you know, had in year one, and they got, be- they got better as the year went on. But I think now with a full offseason and working with Jordan Love in the offseason program, those guys can come out blazing this year as opposed to last year being rookies and not really having that chemistry with your quarterback, especially during the offseason. So who has more, a more... All right. So again, he laid out quite a bit, and he focused on probably the more important part rather than the age, more about the chemistry, which age may play a part in that. But I think the age played more a part in Aaron Rodgers' excuses to not engage with the wide receivers than it does with Jordan Love actually engaging with his guys. I mean, there's a pretty big age gap between Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. I don't know if you knew that. They're they're not from the same age categories. Mid-20s compared to mid-30s, there's an age difference there. Nobody gives a crap. They go work out in the offseason. So I'm concerned less about the age and more about the effort. I would hope that if we bring in a veteran, um, you know, an, an older wide receiver, that that person would want to come in and work with all the young guys and that they would be invited in the group and not just, oh, no, no this is just, a, this is just a, a friend's thing. We're not really, like, doing a team thing here. So why don't you go, you know, play Scrabble or something? Go play bingo, old stupid idiot. For successful year, and by that I mean uh, threaten to win the division and then potentially win it make a playoffs, win a playoff game, become a, a, you know, a Final Four team in a conference, which has a better shot to do that? The Packers with love. Rod- again, again, it, it, it's not an insignificant thing that Love is the quarterback, but he's very clearly leading by trying to highlight the um, quarterback situation. Right? He didn't say the Packers or, he said the Packers with love, because he's so hung up on, I mean, they're going to be bad because they have love. So, so he's sort of giving them another chance to tamp this down a little bit. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, maybe, but let's look at it this way. Who has a better chance? The Packers with love or... Rodgers with the Jets. What do you got for me, Damian Woody? Let's go. What do you got? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Jets with with Aaron Rodgers. Okay. I'm gonna go Jets with Aaron Rodgers because you're talking about a Jets team that was one of the best, had one of the best defenses in the league last year, mm-hmm. and they're returning nine out of eleven starters from that group, so they should be just as good, if not better, than they were last year. It's not true, but it's not super important point. And Rich, yeah. you you watched the Jets game as well as I did. Yes, sir. 
the Jets quarterback situation oh, was one of the worst quarter, one of the worst situations in the league, and this team was still on the verge of making the playoffs late in December. And now you're telling me, oh, by the way, we're going to put Aaron Rodgers on this roster. Are you kidding me? Like, come on, man. Like a, a determined, ready-to-go Aaron Rodgers on this Jets roster? I'll take that all day, every day. That's because, you know, Zach Wilson and, and Mike White and Flacco, when they all had to get in towards the end of the season, squandered the terrific start that they got off to because of how terrific that defense was in a play. No, it's because of Mike LaFleur. That's what it was. Anyways, um, I, I, I don't care that – I'm not going to argue the point about the Jets. I, I think it's very reasonable to expect the Jets to be better. You have a known commodity at quarterback – you have seen it. You have a defense that has demonstrated their ability to be great, not just like the Packers where they're theoretically should be great, right? You have a quarterback that's established as opposed to the quarterback that theoretically could be really good. Um, you've got a wide receiver in Garrett Wilson that has proven to be elite as opposed to, you know, a guy like Christian Watson that, you know, showed signs of being elite but didn't really play enough to be for sure. So I don't have an issue with that. I think the Jets are maybe a little overhyped, but I kind of see it like the Vikings where I think that they are maybe a little overhyped in terms of expectations, but even if things aren't as good as everybody expects, they still should be a pretty good football team. Anyways, one final thing before we take a break. I I, I don't want to get into this because the guy's just kind of a goofball. I think he, you know, whatever. Um, but I, I, I wanted to bring it up for two reasons. Number one... I am officially saving this in my long and exhaustive list of um, receipts that I'm, I've got saved up. But, um, you know, I, one of the crusades I've been on, and, and Bears fans try to be slippery about stuff. You know, they'll, they'll hype up somebody over and 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 over again, and they talk about somebody as though they're a top five player like DJ Moore. And then when you point out to them that they're not, they're like, well, I never said that. I never said he was up there. I never said. But it's it's like, okay, but nobody talks about a wide receiver that is a top 25 wide receiver the way you talk about DJ Moore and the way the media at large talks about DJ Moore. So I appreciate Adam Rank for saying the quiet part out loud. And the quiet part amongst Bears fans is that they actually do think DJ Moore is going to be the next Stephon Diggs. And they've, they've sort of alluded to that. Right? What do they talk about? Well, Josh Allen was bad until he got Diggs, right? Jalen Hurts didn't do anything until he got AJ Brown. And now we got DJ Moore, right? So they say stuff like that, and then you point out that they're not the same. It's like, well, I never said that. Well, thanks to Adam Rank, he actually did say the quiet part out loud. And I just want to play that for you really quick. People, they're so dismissive. They act like, no, this guy's not as good as Stefan Diggs. I'm like, I I think he kind of is. And, I, and, he, and he's not sparring. He never sparred with any of his quarterbacks like Stephon Diggs did. Uh, A.J. Brown's a delightful per player, person and player. He's a nice guy, too. I and D.J. Moore's in that conversation. Tyreek Hill might be a, a special circumstance. I still love this D.J. Moore thing. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you want to. I, I know that we've talked. About so there you go. He puts him on the same tier as Stephon Diggs and A.J. Brown. And then just to, to make it even more clear what he's saying, just in case you think, well, maybe he doesn't think that highly of those other guys, he says, maybe 
maybe, and this is a serious conversation, he's not being a goofball. I mean, he's always kind of a goofball. He's always a super homer. But this isn't like some tongue-in-cheek segment where he's kind of goofing around and later he's like, oh, I was just kidding. He means it. He said it, he means it. He says maybe Tyreek Hill is on a tier by himself. In other words, so maybe, but debatably not so, it's Tyreek Hill and then a very small gap that's just a maybe gap, and then you get DJ Moore and Stephon Diggs and all those guys. Just so we're clear on how insane the hype is. And again, they're super slippery, right? It's it's just like how... um, you know, Bears fans will talk about how their offensive line is so much better now. But yet, the guys from last year were terrible, I thought. How do you have an elite offensive line when three of the five guys are the same three guys, and then you have another guy that's bad and a rookie? Well, I didn't say they were going to have an elite offensive line. I, I, I didn't say that. I just said they're improved. Oh, but you said they were the 32nd best team, and they're marginally better Why are you bragging about how much improved it is? It sounds like it still sucks. Same with wide receiver, by the way. So funny to me. I I really wanted to engage with this person, but I didn't. Um, They were talking about... There was a... uh, I don't even remember exactly what the context was, but they, they posted a clip of a Bears wide receiver dropping a pass and basically just dunked on how bad the receivers were. I think it was a pro Justin Fields thing. And this that's the best part about the pro Justin Fields thing is that they dunk on their own players so much. And what I wanted to say is, do me a favor and list all of the wide receivers last year and tell me how trash they were. Because I would love to see Bears fans write out a list of all of their current receivers and say they suck, with the exception of DJ Moore. But again, they get slippery about it. Well, I didn't... I I said they improved. I didn't say it's great wide receiver class. They turn into Bobcat Goldwith when they... Start arguing. You know, of all the impressions over the years, I've always been able to kind of do impressions of pretty much everybody. They're all bad, but I can kind of do it. You kind of get the gist of it. I don't even know where to begin with that one. I haven't tried it in years. I haven't even thought about it in years. But that is, that's a, that's a different kind of thing, man. And I'm surprised it's not a more popular impression to do. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about some other stuff. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. 
That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So one of the things that popped up recently, very, very excited to see it. Matt Schneidman tweeted out, Jordan Love, Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, Jeff Cotton, and Danny Etling among the Packers working out together in California. Some picks from Jones, so post some picks. Now, I'm guessing he's getting these names just from the picks that he saw on, on I'm assuming, Instagram, meaning there could be more guys there. But I mean, it's just, it, it's just really exciting to see. You know, again, I, I, I felt like every year I was saying the same thing. It, it was just, you know, I, I don't understand why. And I know all these guys, they go out and they work hard, right? Rodgers does his own thing, although I, don't, I really don't think in the offseason the previous year he worked hard, as evidenced by every single second he was live-tweeting his offseason, and he was always doing something stupid that had nothing to do with training. He was either golfing or he was in Hawaii with a man bun, playing guitar or whatever. But I remember thinking, dude, you are a freaking billionaire, almost. Why don't you just fly these guys out to California? If they say no, they say no, which, I mean, you're Aaron Rodgers. They're not going to say no to you. You think Christian Watson wouldn't have been out there in a second? And Romeo Dobbs wouldn't have been out there? I mean, if you want to be out there doing your thing in Hawaii, fine, fly them out to Hawaii. They'll come out and they'll run routes wherever you want them to run routes, dude. They'll run around on the top of the Empire State Building. They don't give a crap. They're just trying to get better and they're trying to, you know... Figure this thing out and get on the same page with you. I didn't understand why they wouldn't do this. And now we got a bunch of guys that really don't have money like Rogers had money. And they're all, I mean, I'm not saying they're not getting paid. They got more money than I got and I could afford a plane ticket. But it's at least to the point where it's like, nah, dude, you know, I'm going to kind of whatever. I'll just stay at the facility, eat the free food and do the things that they want me to do and do their workouts or whatever. But no, every single one of these guys, including some of them that really, I mean, from a, I mean, Jeff Cotton the heck how much money is that guy made looks like he's banked about a million which again that's great but if you're out of the league that's that's all you get so i, I if i was jeff cotton I'd be like i don't know dude i gotta kind of cling to my pennies here but no you got a bunch of young guys who have not gotten paid yet they're not superstars with mega million dollar contracts well you know whatever even Jordan, I mean, he, he did get paid, but he didn't get that big contract. I mean, he could be out of the league after this year for all we know. There's no one guy that's like, you know what, I'll, I'll put you all on freaking private jets and you'll be out here in the morning or, you know, within the hour. It's so easy and everybody wants to do it. Why don't you just do it? What else are you going to do? Probably against the rules, but I'd, I'd be in as much contact with the coaching staff and everything else as I could. I'd get everybody out there. Like I said, I'd ask Jair if he wants to come out or Stokes or anybody else that's willing to, even if you can't play, like just be out here so you can kind of give pointers from a defensive perspective. You know, get Savage out there. I don't care. Any any person, the freaking ball boy, anybody that wants to be on their game, that wants to come out and wants to learn and grow and get better, get out here. And so, you know, if you want to be great, you got if you want to be better than everybody else, and you got to be doing more than everybody else. And it felt like for a long time the Packers are doing less than everybody else. You know, they they were just they were doing less. They're just it just felt like a team as a whole that felt like we got Rodgers, we're fine. Everybody, offense, defense, like that's eh, Rodgers. We'll figure it out. Even Rodgers thought that. Eh, be all right. I'm me. I don't need to work hard because I'm me. I'll figure it out. 
Coaches don't have to work as hard. The players don't have to work as hard. That's why Rodgers bangs his pinky toe, and the whole team's like, well, we're screwed. I quit. I'm not trying anymore. This is stupid. It just feels like for the first time, everybody understands, oh, crap, we all have to try now. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. There's nobody's shoulders you can lay this on. There's nobody that can say, well, he'll clean up my mess. Nope. You're all basically on an even playing field. You're all really good players, potentially. But there is no, at least right now, mega elite superstar on this team. At least nobody that can drag the team. You know, I'm not putting the, the, the team on David Bakhtiari's back. His knees couldn't handle it, first of all. The other thing I at least wanted to bring up is there is a podcast series that I'm sure you're all aware of that includes Matt LaFleur and all the other guys that come from this sort of Mike Shanahan style of, of whatever, Kyle Shanahan, whatever. I got about, so everybody's singing the praises of it. I got about two and a half episodes in, and I took a break because it was boring the living crap out of me. Like I, I, I get that there's some, there are some interesting stories in this thing as far as how things went down, but it's moving so slow. And then it's getting to the point where it's not even really chronological. Like, I was hoping they were going to follow Matt LaFleur, and they're not. Like, he just kind of vanished, and we're focusing on Shanahan and McMahon. Maybe they do later, but... I just it it doesn't really flow very well in my opinion, and I, I just I just don't find it to be overly stimulating. It kind of gets to be like get to the freaking point here, you know. With that said, um, I did have two major thoughts so far, and I will continue. And I know Matt is featured at other points in the podcast, and I will get there eventually and give more thoughts. But number one, I. I've always known to some degree how much work goes in with, you know, for example, the front office staff, the the GM and whatnot, as well as coaching staffs. But the picture that was painted really gives you an appreciation. So essentially you had Shanahan and LaFleur and uh, Mike McDaniel or whatever his name is, and Sean McVay. They're sort of that, that foursome that sort of are the brainchild of all these kinds of things. And you, you get to see how much people are wizards and how, you know, Kyle Shanahan is just cut from a different cloth and he, he's been doing this for such a long time and whatever, right? You just understand, like, the, the, the minutia of it. They're talking about how, you know, you, you try to get a play in. So Matt LaFleur will be sitting there hours and hours and hours and hours and hours putting in work and, and he'll look at some kind of a concept and he'll have an idea or whatever. And the point is you bring the idea essentially to Shanahan, and he rips you freaking to shreds. You have to know every single minute little detail. What about this, that, or the other thing, the concept, the, the, the theory, every single thing, or you will just absolutely get shredded. And the one thought that came to mind is this sort of surface-level silly debate that was going on about the play calling and how much control Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers should have. And I again, I'm still in, of the of the opinion that I really don't know how much things are going to change because I don't know that Rodgers changed a bunch. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I don't know. I don't have any data to verify anything and no real way of knowing that. I assume he did. But here's my point. Matt LaFleur is the expert. Aaron Rodgers is not. And I really don't give a crap. All these people who, oh, you think he doesn't know everything. He's, he's a brilliant, he's genius. This guy is a good quarterback. He's not an offensive coordinator. He has not put in 1% of the amount of work 
in understanding specifically the Shanahan scheme slash Matt LaFleur scheme. He doesn't know it at even a surface level compared to what Matt LaFleur knows it. And so when he designs an offense, it's comprehensive. It's not just a pile of plays. Here's 50 plays that I drew up on the back of a napkin like I did when I was a kid. I had a little notepad and I drew plays in it. And it was just like cool designs. There's no rhyme or reason to this. I had one that like spelled my name. It doesn't matter. It was just me being stupid. But that's the point. That's not what this offense is. Everything builds off of everything else. They're talking about Kyle Shanahan, how he'll draw a play and then he'll draw a play on top of that play and then a play off of that play. And it's just, it's, it's, it's layers. And so when you do all this, and you have Aaron Rodgers come in and say, I don't like that play, get that one out, get that out, get that out. That's not good. That's like going up to a computer and opening it up and saying, nah, I don't like that wire and that wire and that wire. Dude, they all have a purpose. They all have to be in there for a reason. Matt LaFleur is putting in uh, thousands and thousands of hours. You know how many hours Aaron Rodgers put in? to studying these concepts and everything else to decide what the best thing to do is, probably close to zero. Now, I'm not talking about early on, but I'm saying, let's say 2022, he comes back from vacation. You know how much time he spent really contemplating the direction of the offense and everything else? He came in, saw a play, and said, I don't like that play, and threw it out. I trust him as a coach as much as I trust him as a GM, right? Same argument happened there. You think he doesn't know what would be best for the team and best for the... The freaking guy went out and got Randall Cobb. I'm over it. He's not a GM, okay? He's not putting in 100-hour work weeks trying to discover who the best players are around the league. He's calling up his buddies. It's no different with the play calling. Thousands of hours, 100-hour work weeks these coaches are putting in. And it's not just a coach, it's a coaching staff. And by the way, this, this whole philosophy goes back decades. We need Matt LaFleur to be Matt LaFleur. He is the resident expert. Now, it's his job to fit and cater this to Jordan Love, just like it was his job to fit and cater it to Aaron Rodgers. But all I want from Jordan Love is a willing participant to say... Listen, I don't know this scheme the way you know. I, I know it well enough to execute it, and that's all he needs to know. And the deeper you can get in, the better. But he's never going to have a Matt LaFleur understanding of this offense, and he doesn't need to. You need to understand it well enough to execute it at a high level. So that's, that's a very baseline, what we're doing and why we're doing it. You don't need to understand it well enough to be able to draw up play or to figure out what the best next counter play is going to be or, or, you know, oh, I don't like that play. I think this would be a better play. Don't worry about it. Let Matt handle that, okay? Let him be the guy to figure out, oh, they're running this coverage. Why don't we call this play? Unless he told you beforehand, if you see them doing this, do this, don't worry about it. It's It's... And it doesn't even matter what the offensive system really is. The point is, whatever it is, it'll work if you can work it well. That's Again, I go back to Tom Brady. The offensive system, he said, I didn't really change much or do much. I just executed it. I just did it. I learned it. And I said, okay, so if I perfect this, we'll be good at stuff. And, and Bill Belichick said, yep. And he said, okay. So he became an expert in how to run the offense and so when a play came in, he knew exactly where to look, where his eyes need to be, and that's where his focus was. Not, how can I change this? How stupid are you for calling that play? We didn't used to do that. We need to simplify the offense. We need more motion. You know, it, Matt LaFleur got so snippy about that. 
I remember it was it was in the midst of this disaster of a 2022 season. Aaron Rodgers would be frustrated after a game, and he would talk about how, well, I just think we need to simplify the offense, blah, blah, blah. And then they'd get in Matt LaFleur's face and say, Rodgers said we need to simplify the offense. And he's, his answer was, I don't even know what that means. Just exasperated. Do you know why? Have you ever had the experience, and I know Rodgers isn't necessarily Matt LaFleur's boss, but just as an example, have you ever, ever had the experience where you have put in a lot of work into a project at work. Let's say you've been working on this for a week or a month, and you have somebody higher up that comes in and tries to tell you how maybe you can do some stuff, and they don't even know anything about this other than, other than they're ultimately in charge of this, but they haven't put in the time, and they're trying to nitpick things and, and ask you questions and do all these things. They're asking questions that you asked like day one of this project that we've already fleshed out. We've already figured all this out. You're not helping. You're just in my way. Can you imagine? You haven't seen your family. You don't sleep. You're not eating well. You're sleeping under your freaking desk drawing up all these perfect things and trying to make things work, and then your quarterback, who didn't do a very good job in the game, rushes to the media and says, we need to simplify this offense. Oh, I would lose it. So again, Rodgers didn't like what we were doing over here. Fine. Maybe he's right. Maybe this isn't the best offense to run, but it doesn't matter. Because it's better to just run perfectly an inferior offense than to have this little tug-of-war going on between, you know, kind of doing this, but also checking out and changing this and, and trying to, you know, I'm not doing that and F that play and, you know, just calling you out in the middle of freaking meetings, which I still think is wildly out of line. We, we don't need that. So, again, that's number one that I got from the podcast. This guy is a freaking expert. He just is. He knows the offense inside and out. He knows everything about it. He, is, he has been perfecting this for a very long time, putting in thousands and thousands and thousands of hours with guys like um, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. And, and the, one of the other takeaways, kind of a sub-takeaway, not one of the two major ones, the egos of these guys are incredible. And they... they openly would will admit it it's all an ego thing i want to be the best i want to know the most i want to be the smartest i want to be the one i you know uh i think the guy with the biggest ego and this is kind of getting into point number two is mike mcdaniel and he flat out said he's like you know sean or, or i think shanahan had gotten a job at a certain age and he wanted to get it earlier he wants to be ahead of everyone. He wants to be better than everyone. But I, I think they all kind of have that competitiveness. But the point is, it drove them to be obsessed, psychotically obsessed with this offense and every little detail about it and how to perfect it and how to, how to change it, tweak it, make it better, you know, evolve it, whatever. We have one guy that is tasked with being the resident expert, and it's not our quarterback. And so I am hopeful and excited for the prospect of having a quarterback that is an automaton, that is a freaking robot. Your job is to execute what I'm telling you to do. You're the computer, right? Matt LaFleur is the programmer. You're the computer. You just run the freaking program. That's all you do. The second thing is, as I've kind of been alluding to, I never really liked Mike McDaniel. I, I, he was so popular for being kind of quirky, and I just found him kind of weird and, and kind of annoying. And the fact that everybody loved him annoyed me even more. And, and the podcast is not helping. Again, 
extremely arrogant and proud of it. They all kind of are, but just something about his arrogance annoys me. But can we just address the, the, the major elephant in the room with this? Early on, if you haven't listened to the podcast, very early on, they talk about how, so essentially Mike McDaniel came in, right? He was kind of a, a you know big up-and-comer, this, that, or the other, and he ended up getting fired, I think, by Bill O'Brien, um, something like that. I, I don't exactly remember who it was, but he had a drinking problem. And it got out of control and he got fired. And he made some kind of comment about his biggest fear is living the life of a rock star, you know, drinking and drugs and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I, I can't be the only one who's sitting here listening saying there's no way this guy hasn't had a drink since 2016 or whatever he said. There's no way. He's slurring his speech in the podcast. He's hammer drunk. I can't be the only one. I don't understand what he's saying in the podcast. It's so bad. So I don't know, man. I, I, I just feel like this whole Mike McDaniel thing is weird to me. Um, another one of these intelligent guys, he gets the offense, seems to be really likable. Think People like, you know, say he's a funny guy or whatever, but I, I just, I, I would have no faith. I shouldn't say that because the Dolphins could be a good team. I I would just feel like they're on very tenuous ground. First of all, the Dolphins feel like a shaky organization to begin with. They've had a lot of weird stuff going on in the last couple of years. They hire the biggest weirdo in the world. Their quarterback, his his health situation is tenuous at best. And you have a, a coach that I'm quite positive has a substance abuse problem. Anyways, those are my only takeaways so far. I will continue listening to it. I just got to kind of rev myself back up to get into it because I just I don't want to listen to it <laughs> I want to just skip ahead to the Matt LaFleur parts does anybody have any timestamps for me I just want to listen to what Matt has to say I've heard enough about Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay but anyways I'm going to leave you with that you guys have a good rest of your day if you haven't listened to the podcast go check it out it's it's worth at least determining for yourself whether you like it or not most people seem to really love it uh, a lot of really solid you know from from a drama perspective I shouldn't necessarily drama but you know from a if you care about like the behind the scenes, like what was going on and the friendships and all that kind of stuff, it's interesting. It's interesting to hear the inner workings and kind of peel back the curtain kind of thing. But from me trying to find interesting tidbits that I can relate to and, and relay on the podcast, there's very little that I can use. But anyways, have a good rest of your night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.